And so our service today involves that story, the story of the coming of the Magi. And so we are in the Gospel of Matthew today. We will be hearing Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And I am reading from the Common English Bible Translation, but I encourage you, as I do every week, to hear this or to follow along in the biblical language that best connects you with God. So once again, let us hear of the coming of the Magi from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the territory of Judea, during the rule of King Herod, did you all keep that straight? Okay. Bethlehem, Judea, rule of King Herod. The Magi came from the east to Jerusalem, and they asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east, and we've come to honor him. Now, when King Herod heard this, he was troubled, and everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. He gathered all the chief priests and the legal experts and asked them where the Christ was to be born. And they said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote, you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means are you least among the rulers of Judah because from you will come one who governs, who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from them the time when the star had first appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search carefully for the child. When you found him, report to me so that I may too go and honor him. And when they heard the king, they went. And look, the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. Falling to their knees, they honored him. Then they opened their treasure chests and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And because they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by another route. These are the lessons of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There is so much unsaid in this story. So much unsaid. Now this is epiphany, and it is also known as theophany. Isn't that a great word? Theophany. Known in the Eastern Christian traditions. Now for some of us who are not familiar with what this is, it is a feast day that celebrates the revelation, that's what the word theophany means, of God incarnate, the Emmanuel, Jesus Christ. Now in Western Christianity, which we are a part of, the feast commemorates principally, but not alone, the visit of the Magi, represented by the three purple candles, to the Christ child, and thus 
Christ's physical manifestation, Christ's physical revelation to the people. It's sometimes also called Three Kings Day. And in some traditions, it is celebrated as a little Christmas. Um, I recently read a, about a tradition as I was doing research for this, that it's also called Women's Christmas. Has, have any of you heard this before? Women's Christmas, where in Ireland, all of the women meet together at the pub to celebrate, and I can't say I'm against that. <laughs> I think that sounds like a fantastic tradition. It's a holiday in particular, especially around here, um, in the Latinx or the Latine communities of the Caribbean, um, that has particular cultural significance, especially for those who are Puerto Rican like myself. Um, traditionally, historically, it was the one day of the year that enslaved people were given the day off in the season. And so it has become a, a cultural revival, a cultural tradition celebrating the peoples of the Caribbean. Now, traditionally, the date for the feast is January 6th, which we did celebrate on Friday. Um, however, the celebration has been held in some countries on the first Sunday following Epiphany. Popular customs include singing, which as Methodists, we have a tendency to do a lot of. Um, chalking the door. Some of you noticed last year and were wondering what I was doing, putting chalk on the doorways of the, of the parsonage. Um, you put the year and the initials of each of the kings, um, which also stands for the Latin words, God bless this house. Um, how, sometimes you can have your house blessed, which I have done before. You can consume a three kings cake. How many of us have ever celebrated with, um, what's that little holiday, Mardi Gras? Um, the king cake, right? The king cake, that is part of the Epiphany tradition as well. Um, in Spanish, we call it arrosca. Um, sometimes it's even celebrated with winter swimming, uh, polar bear plunges, and other things that I will never participate in, um, as well as attending church services. So welcome to the tradition of Epiphany. It is customary for Christians in many places to remove their Christmas decorations on the 12th night, Epiphany Eve. So if you still have your Christmas trees up and your Christmas lights, just tell people you were waiting for the 12th day of Christmas. And our family celebrates what we call El Dia de los Tres Reyes Magos, which is the day of the three kings, the Magi, with decorated boxes and gifts. So for us, it is like a second Christmas. Um, and so as we enter into this new year and on this Epiphany Sunday, I find that when I returned to the story of the kings visiting the Christ child, I read something new each time, and it is no different this year. This is a powerful story about seeking, about searching, about being led on a journey toward something unknown but important. Which of course, this being New Year's, led me to ask myself and now all of you, as we enter into this new year, this brand new 2023, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? And will you know it when you find it? And what will you do with it when you find it?
This is a question it seems like the world is asking itself as we celebrate this season of new year, new me, and make some shiny new resolutions for the new year. Now, many of our New Year's resolutions start out with us asking ourselves these same questions, right? What are we looking for? What are we seeking? What are we trying to find? And oftentimes, the answers can be deceptively simple. The problem is, many of those answers assume there is something inherently wrong with us, whether it's our size or our our way of moving in the world, it, we, it's assuming that there's something wrong with us. And so I just want to assure you that you are okay. God is meeting you at the place of your need. Now the world sends us all kinds of messages. We just need to spend a few minutes checking out the ads on television or on our social media feeds to get the hint that we are the problem. We are what needs fixing. And our society thrives on that. But I'm here to tell you, do not buy into it. God already loves you as you are. You are worthy of love as you are right now. And so I'm just going to leave that. I'm just going to put a pin in that for right now. I want you to know that God coming to earth and taking on human form is proof that we are worthy of a relationship with God. That there is nothing about us that we need to fix about how we were born or how we were made. But I'm not going to force you to listen to two sermons today. So we will come back to that later. More closely related to today's text, can you tell I'm super excited? Like, I, this is such an important moment. So more closely related to today's text is the more metaphysical, if you will, search to better ourselves. In particular, I think many of us start off the year asking ourselves about inner peace. Amen? Amen. How can we be better at calming ourselves, at reconnecting with God. If you type inner peace into the Google search bar, guess how many options you get or results you get? Just guess, anybody? 115 million plus results. So clearly, none of us know what we're doing. And there used to be places, these mystical, magical places called bookstores, I don't know if anyone has ever been to one before, um, but they would have entire sections of the building dedicated to self-help books or offering some kind of guidance on how to find yourself. Libraries are also filled with them, both online and in person, um, which just goes to show you that the reality of finding an answer to the question, what are you looking for? It's really freaking complicated. It is really tough. The pathways to finding answers are as numerous and different as there are people in this room and on the planet. So when I ask, what are you looking for? I'm not necessarily expecting there to be an immediate answer. Some of us, yes, may be able to answer that question right away. 
some of us may have an idea, like a, an itch that you just can't quite reach. And so we need some time to kind of discern, to sit on that question and think about what is it that we are really looking for? And sometimes we don't even know how to answer the question in the first place. We just know that we're looking for something. Something is missing. And we are seeking anything that will give us a sense of hope or a sense of fullness. Quite often that search for something is exactly what brings us to places like this, places like church or other faith-based communities that hope that someone may have the answer for us or that we will be in a place where we can find the answer among other seekers. So well done you and welcome to the group of folks who still don't know what they're doing yet. And maybe we do come close. <clears throat> maybe we do come close to a word or an idea or a concept of whatever it is that we're seeking or that we're looking for. But then, because of course, nothing's ever easy, then comes the trouble of trying to figure out how to live into the it. Like anything else in life, and especially when it comes to concerns of faith, journey's complicated. It's not a straight path. The very act of taking the time to consider what we are in need of can even be the most difficult part of the journey. And then there's the sticking to it. As many of us know with New Year's resolutions, how many of us actually get to the next December fulfilling what it is that we had promised to ourselves at the beginning of the year. Our lives are so full of distractions and things that pull us away from our goals that we can find ourselves lost and confused and unsure. And I think that is why, I believe that is why I love this story so much. Why I believe this journey of the Magi continues to speak to us and has spoken to us throughout the centuries. Now it's no secret that Epiphany is one of my favorite parts of Christmas or Christmastide. It's because more often than not, I feel like one of the Magi on the journey. I'm not quite sure what I'm looking for, but I'm seeking it all the same. And yes, it's true. Even pastors are learning and searching and asking questions. We're all in really good company. So let's look for a moment at this moment in Matthew's Gospel. First, I want to make sure that we keep in mind that it's important to realize that the original translation of the word magi was not wise man. We all know how I feel about that. But magician or astrologer. It's where we get the word magic from. Now, I'm not saying that we need to start reading horoscopes or living according to the stars. I mean, you can do that if you want, but I'm not sure you're gonna find what you're looking for. But my point is this, they were seekers. They were seeking truth. They were scholars. They were seeking answers. And they were using the tools that were available to them at the time to discern how the movements of the heavens, of the universe, could speak to the movements in their own lives. 
like many of us here today, they are seeking to make sense of their world, and they're doing it through ways of interpretation. And when they saw that star rising, they knew it meant something important was either happening or was about to happen. And I like to believe that they followed that star because in their hearts, they knew that this was important. They knew that this miraculous sign would lead them towards something completely life-changing. That they knew they would find answers to some of their questions about the world, wherever it was that the star led. Because they knew that that light in the sky was a star that led to truth, capital T, truth. However, as many of us know, the path to get to where the star led wasn't simple. Instead, it was incredibly convoluted. Much like our labyrinth outside, the closer you think you are to the center, the furthest away you are. It was complicated. We don't know much about the journey prior to their arrival in Jerusalem, but Herod and the royal city were absolutely complications on that journey. Specifically, politics, shocker, and religious interpretation, another big shock, were sure part of those complications. See, the Magi were not Jewish. They were outsiders. They were from away. They were strangers in a strange land, seeking something that even they couldn't fully explain. And we can all relate to those kinds of complications, can't we? Amen. And they had their own stuff. They had their own stuff that they were carrying with them that made this difficult. They had their own cultural norms, which affected their expectations. They knew from their studies that the star was a royal sign. Well, royalty means palaces and kings and riches. The star was leading them, though, to a rural place. It was leading them to the countryside, a place of shepherds who nobody wanted to be with, a place of poverty and of oppression. And they initially ignored the path that the star laid out for them because it didn't make sense. And so as they entered the kingdom of Israel, they didn't follow the star to Bethlehem, but instead, these great wise scientists and scholars went to Herod. They second-guessed themselves. They second-guessed what they knew deep down because the expectation did not meet the reality of where they were being led to. How many of us have done that in our lives? Allowed ourselves to be led off the path that we know to be right because it just doesn't seem like the way things should be. So they end up at Herod's place because that makes sense. A king would be born to a king because that's how things work in the world as we know it, as they knew it. And as a result, they find themselves in a mess. They find themselves in a very messy situation, specifically with Herod, 
It's very interesting that the writer of Matthew puts in the gospel text, Herod was troubled and the people along with him because they knew what Herod was capable of when he got angry. And I believe it's safe to say that the Magi's initial trust in Herod meant that they didn't really understand what they had walked into. They didn't fully understand the customs or even the history of the kingdom of Israel. And as we continue through the story, beyond the reading selected for today, you see how things get real complicated. The aftermath of their time in Jerusalem may feel vaguely familiar when we consider the chaos that ensued after they decided to defy Herod. Because we all know what can happen when power is challenged. Amen? Amen. We know what can happen when empires are challenged. When the power of questionable rule makers and status quo keepers are challenged. And none of the aftermath would be simple in the wake of their decision to not return to Herod after encountering Christ. Now, how many of us feel this way while we're on our own journeys? I know this is true about my own faith walk, my own search for self and identity. Like the Magi, so many of us are following a path to something that promises us light and truth, And then we find ourselves distracted and looking for simple answers to complicated questions. We like simple answers. We like simple rules. Or we flat out ignore what we know what is right and true for ourselves and our relationship with the divine because it doesn't match up with what we've been told by the world is what we should be striving for. Asking God, what's my purpose in life? can be just as fraught and complicated and maybe even as dangerous in some ways as the Magi discovered was asking Herod, where can we find the newborn king of the Jews? The good news, because there is good news in this, the good news is that there is indeed hope for us in this story today. There is hope for those of us who search and who seek. When we feel like it's taking forever to find our answers, remember this, that when the Magi do find the Christ child, years have passed since they first started out. Jesus was a toddler by the time they finally encounter the not-so-newborn king of the Jews. So there's hope for us. We're not going to get our answers right away, and that's okay. What do they find when they finally make it to the manger? They find light amid the darkness. They find Emmanuel, God with us. They encounter God in a strange place, a place that defied their expectations. They find a king who has entered the world in a place and in a way that makes no sense. And what do they do? Well, they realize that they have found what they have been looking for this entire time. And it's not in a palace. It's not surrounded by riches or jewels. 
It's in the most unexpected of places. And the gospel tells us that when they encounter that, when they find that light, when they find what they have been searching for, they don't question what they now know to be true. Instead, they fall down and they worship. They recognize what they have in front of them. And they also recognize that returning the same way they had come, backtracking, going back to what they now know to not be true, they know it's dangerous. And so, by the light that they have found, they go another way. They choose to remain focused on what this long, complicated journey has shown them, has revealed to them, and they go a different way. It's our story, too. That, that is what the point is of this epiphany moment, that that new focus they have is God's love. God's love in the world. God's love with us. And it becomes their new center, becomes their new path, their new focus, which then gives them the clarity to hear God's voice and to heed the angel's warning, not to return to Herod, but to go home another way, to choose a different path than the one that they were on before. So beloved, what are you looking for in this season of your life? What is it that you need to find? What is it that you are seeking to discover? The truth is, just like the Magi, we're invited to follow something bigger than us. We're invited to follow a star that will reveal Christ to us, that will reveal God in the world to us, and to center us along our journey of seeking. And like the Magi, we don't know the pathway that the star, that the light will lead us along. We don't know what it's going to look like, but we do know that truth and light not only accompany us, but will be our destination. So I invite you, I invite you to follow your star and let your journey begin this year, now. Let it begin in this moment. Let us do it together as a people, both in the church and out in the world. You are invited to allow this year to be a year of intentional seeking and visioning. A year to seek a deeper spiritual connection. A spiritual connection to God, to Christ, to the Spirit, wherever she leads us. And a connection to ourselves and to our church. And may it be so. May we all accept that invitation today and every day. Amen. May it be so for each and every one of us. Amen.